Welcome to episode 256 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada. I'm not Deadpool, but we are going to talk about the Deadpool stream we saw yesterday from Jack Danger over at Stern. Very, very exciting moment to see a pinball machine for the first time. Now, the reason why I didn't get up my opinions about Deadpool right away yesterday, very simple. Uh, August 15th is also Brenda's birthday. So I had a whole day of birthday festivities for Brenda, and one of them did not include sitting down and watching a pinball machine being played for two hours long. But we're going to talk a lot about the Deadpool game. I'm going to give you my impressions of Deadpool pinball after seeing the stream. But before we do that, we are going to go down some pinball news that is happening in the pinball world, all right? It's been about a week. It's been about a week. I haven't had as many shows recently, but again, I've been away. I've been traveling. I've been doing other things, but I'm happy to be back in the saddle. So let's get right to it. So let's talk about Monster Bash Remake and how I was dead wrong in my last week prediction that we were going to see Monster Bash remake last week. I simply reported on a rumor that someone gave me. It was wrong. I I think they're still waiting on the licensor approval. But what we do know is that another rumor around Monster Bash remake is false. And that rumor was there would be two games in one. That there would be the original Monster Bash that everyone knows, coded by Lyman Sheets, and then there'd be a whole new Monster Bash game that you could select from uh, that was a new code, new animations, and that got people really excited, and you'd be able to choose between playing Monster Bash Classic and Monster Bash 2.0. And the people who are making the game said, "Uh uh-uh. That's not happening. I don't know where that came from. Sorry to burst your bubble. <laughs> it came over on that rumor. Um, so I don't know where Monster Bash Remake is. I don't know why it's taking so long for the licensor to approve a game that came out 25 years ago that they're simply remaking and enhancing. Uh, they're probably holding off on announcing this game so they get a little bit of their own window. If I could give them some marketing advice, I would actually just wait and probably release Monster Bash sometime in September. I don't think there's any benefit to doing it now. There's too many games out. It's too crowded. I wouldn't jump into the ring right now with a new game. All right, let's talk about Jersey Jack Pinball. And I think a lot of people were confused as to the production timeline of Pirates of the Caribbean because when we saw the game on the line, that did not signify that production had begun. It was Eric was visiting uh, Jersey Jack's factory. They're sim- you know they're tooling up. They're getting the lines ready. For those of you who have been to Jersey Jack Pinball, it's a cool sight to see. Uh, they have different stations, and they basically put. Uh, a game and you know a play field at each station and, and it shows what you're supposed to build at that station so it's really cool to see the assembly line that happens at Jersey Jack Pinball uh, so production has not begun now what I'm hearing is we're two to three weeks away from Pirates of the Caribbean going out the door now when it comes out in September that will make it almost one year since we first saw this game something about Ten and a half months since the game was first revealed, it will go out the door. We've we've beat that dead horse many many times. Um, what I want you guys to do is ask yourself this: Imagine after watching the Deadpool stream yesterday, imagine after it 
George Gomez goes up to the camera and says, okay, everyone, um, you can order now. Uh, this game is not going to ship for 10 months. Imagine the excitement and the hype being drained out of the room if that was the case. But that's exactly what's happened with Pirates of the Caribbean. And you know, I watched the stream about a week ago. I think Eric and Keith and they, they, they did another stream. You know, I feel like I've seen so many streams of Pirates of the Caribbean being played. And I always tune in and I'm like waiting for something to happen that's supposed to just like blow me away. And I think, you know, I, I think here's my issue. And every time I watch Eric talk about the game and Keith talk about the game, they always use like, they always talk about it like this, like you got to hit this to qualify this, to get this multiplier. And like every time they use the word multiplier, I just want to like punch myself in the face because I, I, I watched this game being played and it's all about like multipliers and qualifying and understanding what 22 different character like benefits are. And it, it's just like they're talking to me like I'm some sort of pinball accountant. And I think they don't get what makes pinball great when it comes to the way you code a game is make the story simple. Tell me what I'm doing in the game. Pull me in on the narrative of the game, not like how to qualify multipliers. Like what I love about pinball games that are great is that you know what you're doing, you know what the story is, and you're trying to get through the modes and through the story. And here's what happens when you get through those modes and you get through the story, the points come. Like the points should be secondary, not the first thing you're talking at people about, all right? When I get to the end of Super Mario Brothers, I usually have a high score. When I get to the end of, you know, putting all the villains in jail in Batman and getting to Pat Batuzzi Multiball, I always have like around a billion points. So it's satisfying. I don't want to know how to like just multiply or this, multiply or that. You know, if I were Jack, and these guys came to the table and were like, here's here's what you have to do to like, you know, with this character and this character. I mean, no, 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 no. How much better would it have been if the Pirates of the Caribbean story were something as simple as this? Everyone who plays the game, you play as Captain Jack Sparrow. All right, that's who you are. In the game, your goal is to get the Black Pearl and then you have to go and battle all of the villains from the different movies and accomplish the you know the five different goals of the Pirates of the Caribbean films, right? And how cool would it have been if to get the Black Pearl, you have to remove it from the little bottle? How cool would it have been if every single pin had a, a topper with the Black Pearl inside the bottle, not just the uh, collector's editions? And in the pinball game, that's the first goal you have is to retrieve the Black Pearl. And when you do, the Black Pearl disappears from the bottle and appears in the game. And that's when you do that, when you retrieve the Black Pearl, only then does the Black Pearl upper play field start shaking back and forth because now you're on the Black Pearl. And only then 
does the ramp up into the black pearl only then can you get up there because otherwise there's a diverter you see i just find the game like it's got all this beautiful stuff but they didn't think about it like that they didn't create the story like it doesn't make any sense the black pearls just shaking right away like you're already getting rewarded something that you should uh unlock Right, and that's what makes pinball fun is when you get to the upper playfield or you get into the lower playfield bowling alley on the Big Lebowski. It's not just going right away. Um, but anyway, anyway, I, I I digress. I digress. I think I think that we're learning more and more as we go that if you want to de design a pinball game to be, all be about points and scoring and the narrative's not there, I, I think you're doing it wrong. Wow, Alexa's turning on music in my apartment. Alexa, pause. Okay, we look at that. You're, you're getting Canada live. All right, let's go on from Jersey Jack. I just hope the game ships. I want you guys to get it, uh, but I just I just don't want any more streams. I, 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 no matter how many times they tell me that the spinning disc uh, makes the ball move, I never see it. I never see the ball actually move when it goes over that spinning disc. Uh, I, I feel like we've been reviewing this game for a year now. I know you're sick of it, so let's go on. Spooky uh, is celebrating game number 1,000, and I just want to congratulate them. I think that's a major, major accomplishment. Uh, we all know that uh, when Spooky came out, there were a lot of other boutique companies that said they were going to make lots of games, and they all failed for the most part, uh, but it's great that Charlie and company have made 1,000 pinball machines and put them into the world, and everyone who bought a Spooky machine got a spooky machine so that is something that is 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 commendable and we should celebrate uh anything else we're still waiting for alice cooper's nightmare castle really to go out the door it's it's um it's it's close we know that i think one is out in some rock and roll museum uh but it's coming soon we we saw it being played it's it's not vaporware it's happening real soon all right let's talk about home pin because this thread always just makes me chuckle so uh, it appears that Mike has shipped the first Thunderbirds not to the people that bought it five years ago. You would think that the first people that would get Thunderbirds were the Australians who invested in Mike's company initially. Nope. The shipping container is going to Canada. Uh, to Canadian orders, which are clearly new orders on the game, not the original orders. Uh, because remember, Mike wasn't even planning to send games to North America. Um, so that led some of the early adopters who bought this game uh, to be very upset and, and questioning whether or not Mike is chasing after new money with this kind of tactic. And we've seen this tactic before, where the people who pay in full early on sort of they they the line gets cut by new orders and that usually is a sign that companies need new money now i don't know if that's the case uh, but i'll say this when you read the thread what 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 jumps out and should jump out is how absolutely inane it is that mike is inside his own thread arguing with his own customers i mean how silly can you get that you are fighting the your your own buyers people who gave you money um and i think roto dave has finally has finally heard enough of of us calling him out for being silent on his gameplay review of of, of thunderbirds and he has now uh he has now given a gameplay review within a metaphor or within an within a comparison and he says that 
Uh, Thunderbirds is the equivalent of the Jetsons. And that's a very polite way of Roto Dave saying the game is a complete piece of S-H-I-T. When's the last time you heard anybody talk about the Jetsons or say the Jetsons is a good game? And I don't think Mike was setting out to make a game for kids that is like a beginner's pinball machine. I think he was setting out to make a game that pinball people who love pinball would think is great. So uh, enough about home pin. I think this game is not really on many people's radars and I fully expect people who went in early uh, to get kind of shafted and, and as the line gets cut. All right, let's get on to Deadpool. This is why you're here. Canada's impressions of Deadpool and the stream that Jack Danger did yesterday. So I've, I want to tackle this from a few angles. I'm going to go through the game, what I saw my opinions about it all. Um, first and foremost, I want to thank Jack Danger for doing this stream. I, I thought this was probably his best one ever, and I'll explain why. Because they finally put the pinball machine in the right kind of environment. It wasn't on the factory floor with all the lights and all the glare. Uh, it was in a, it looked like a sort of a, a different room. Like, it looked like a kitchen. It, it was, there was no lights. There was no, I mean, there was no windows. There was no glare. So I think that was great. It was actually easy to see everyone on the Stern team in the background as well. So Jack, thank you. And I think they got 6,000 people to watch the stream, which is great considering, um, you know, that's probably more games than they will make of Deadpool. And if you're trying to sell 500 LEs and you've got 6,000 people watching, I think it's terrific marketing. Uh, I also want to thank all the people at Stern for, for doing this. You know, they led us into the, uh, the factory to see the game being played, and it was great. It was great. I think Tim Sexton did a really good job of explaining the game before plunging. And I, I think, you know, I think there's the balancing act, and I think Tim did get it right, of giving you enough of what goes on in the game. Um, but, but not spoiling it all. Because sometimes I think when you go through too much of the game and you show too much of what's going to happen inside the experience, you're ruining it for the player. Because I think when people buy an expensive pinball machine, part of the fun is exploring the game on your own and not knowing like what's going to happen, not knowing what new music's going to pop up, not knowing what secrets lie within the game. And so I think they did a good job of, of not giving too much away. And, and George Gomez said that the fourth wall uh, uh, is not in the game yet, where Deadpool will speak and taunt to the player in sort of like uh, HD, like live action sort of way. Live action, just, you know, not, not animated the way the LCD is right now. So I also, the first thing that jumped out at me was this. When, when Tim was introducing all the people that worked on the game, I couldn't help but be like, wow. Like there's a lot. There are a lot of people involved in making this pinball machine. I mean, and everything from, you know, the coder, the designer, the artist, people doing animations. It, it is an army of individuals that are working on a game and, and getting this game to market. And, and it's impressive. Like, you can't, you can't look at all those people who are pouring... Uh, tons of hours and passion into a pinball project and not be somewhat thankful that Stern Pinball is around because nobody else has the level of expertise and the amount of people working on pinball machines. So I, I, I was sort of like 
like a little blown away by by the sheer number of people that that bring these products to life. So that that was really cool to see. Um, all right, let's jump into the game itself. And so they talked a lot about the animations and the LCD and and how you know things were rendered in 3D and then put into this sort of 16-bit, uh, you know, sort of like 90s fighting game style. And and the game sort of revolves around Deadpool being inside his den. And the different characters are in the den with him. There's different pinball machines in arcade games. And he's there, like, playing the Deadpool LE pinball machine. And I have to say, like, I, I really do love that they took this approach. Because what I what I love about it is Stern clearly, like, they had a vision for how they wanted to tie it all together, how they wanted to bring the Deadpool comic book to life within a pinball game. And, and I think it fits perfectly. I do. I, I think the classic retro throwback like 90s fighting style is, is a really fun way to approach uh, a comic book character, which we know the missions of almost all comic book heroes is that they're trying to battle the villains. And so Deadpool, you know, battling Juggernaut, you know, battling the T-Rex, like that's the, the goal of this game. And I, I love the way that they made it that sort of style. Like it's almost like Pinball Machine meets Street Fighter combined together in this sort of format. So, and I, th I think it looked really, really good to the, the the graphics on the LCD. Um, you know, it's interesting that Alice Cooper, Nightmare Castle, and and Deadpool both have sort of like a comic book style LCD. Now, I think the the look of Alice Cooper it looks you know it looks like cleaner but again but stern wasn't going for that stern wasn't trying to make it look like a you know like a high definition comic book style uh, visual they were trying to make it look like a 16-bit graphic so i think they they achieved that um so i'm going down my list i wanted they, they talked they showed the ninja pop bumpers those were cool when you hit the pop bumpers the ninjas pop down uh the katana rama mode when you have, it's kind of cool. You get to slice different things. Uh, I love the versus mode when you're fighting uh, a villain. You can team up with with different characters to battle them. Remind it reminds me of a lot of like the X Men arcade game where you can tag team against people. Um, let's get to gameplay, all right? Because we've seen the game before. I have to say, George Gomez is is like a really, really good pinball designer. And we know this. This is not me making this stuff up. And I think the game has great flow. I was surprised to see how much flow and how fast this game was. I, I did not get the one word that normally you get with a George Gomez game, and that is clunkiness. Now, not normally, but there are, you know what I'm talking about. Like, Lord of the Rings has clunky shots. Like, Batman has clunky shots. This game feels much smoother than some of you know those other games and i was i was excited to see the ball whip around a lot without slowing down so i think the game is going to be fast and have a lot of flow for you guys out there who like speed i think this game is going to provide a lot of that um the left ramp is silky smooth every time that thing was hit the ball would just whip around and come right back to the left flipper the other ramp that a lot of people were nervous about, you know, the right orbit shot into the ramp that's on the left that feeds the katana sword uh, that goes into the sword lock, I, it, it worked every time I saw it. 
uh, and it wasn't clunky. It didn't. It slows down a little bit when it goes up the ramp and comes around back to the right, uh, but it it never failed to get up that ramp. And I think a lot of people were concerned that that would be the case. Um, but did you really expect George Gomez to design a white wood of this game? and say, yep, we're done with the geometry if, if that shot was going to be problematic, especially since it's a really important shot uh, in the game. So I think from a gameplay standpoint, the, the game looks great. Um, you know what Stern knows how to do? So after I watched about like 30 minutes of them playing the game, and I'm not going to go into You guys watch the stream. I'm not going to just like keep talking about the stream. Uh, and it, like, like every minute, here's what I saw. Um, Stern knows how to make a pinball machine immediately satisfying all right so if you walk up to this machine i think within 30 seconds something's gonna happen that excites you and i think that is what makes i think stern pinball machines a little bit different than other people's attempts is like it's not like it's it's not too complex this game now don't get me wrong stern has made games in the past before where it's just way too confusing to get stuff going you know like it is way it was so stupid how hard they made it to get balls in the hyperdrive in Star Wars. Like, I still think that is the biggest failed mech ever because of how infrequent it happens. And in Deadpool, I feel like right away, you know, you're going to hit the targets by the, the little Deadpool. You, you, it's easy to figure out how to get multi-balls going. You know, in fact, multi-ball happens pretty quickly in the game uh, because people like multi-ball. Uh, you know, some of the tournament players don't like it when it comes too frequently. Uh, but, but, but just in general, I think people are going to walk up to this machine and immediately have a good time with it. And I think they're going to they're going to be excited by the LCD and 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 their ability to feel like they're doing something in the game um, pretty quickly. Uh, so I just want to say that I think Stern knows how to do that really well. Um, let me talk about the display. I think the you know I've said the animations are great. I really I just I really like the way it looked. Um, I was a little weirded out by one thing, and and here's here's you take this for what it's worth. Whenever Deadpool's like just on screen and like ninjas are dropping down, he's kind of just like standing there, like it's kind of weird. He's like just bopping up and down, but he's not like blocking or punching or defending himself as they're attacking him. It's like they're just there waiting. You know, it kind of reminds me of like a video game when you put the joystick down and like nothing's happening on the screen and the character is just like standing there idle and and it's it like I understand why that would happen in a video game but it's kind of weird in a pinball machine because you're not really physically in control of the characters that are on the screen so uh, I I kind of felt like that just looked a little awkward and I, I don't know if more animations are going to be put in uh, but it, it's, you know, it's just sort of strange. So, you know, like in the scene when he's running away from the T-Rex, uh, it's just kind of running kind of weirdly. And like, I don't know, I, when I was watching that, I was like, it's cool to look at, but I didn't get the sense of like, it, you know, it, like in urgency or like there's, act, like, is he actually in danger? Like, is it five shots to beat the T-Rex? There's a bunch of green lights flashing. Um, so just, you know, seeing the, like, here's the other thing. How, seeing how the code is going to come through with the animations is something I'm curious about because Tano, who's a new coder, you know, that's really the secret sauce of any coding is, is, is what's happening, right? Not just what you're seeing, but the way it, it sort of 
develops or the way a mode progresses. And that is like what separates like genius coders. Like they know how to pull you through a mode in a way that creates excitement in a way that makes it energetic in a way that emotionally stirs you. You know, it's like, it's like in Lord of the Rings, like well, to war when the multiball starts, like that stuff is all the coder is putting that in. And we all know that no one does that better than Lyman Sheets. So I'm just like interested to see like if these, you know, if the way the game is coded in the modes, um, if, if it has that, you know, I think it's still too early to tell. Um, I hope you're following because I know that might sound a little weird. So that gets me to like the code. It seems very far along. Um, you know, I don't think we're, we're getting a game that is going to be like Gardens of the Galaxy or like Batman was or, you know, it's not going to be Spartan code. It, it seems like a lot is in the game. So I think when it ships, probably within a week, uh, I'm not sure if the fourth wall stuff will be in yet. But usually Stern has a code update between the Jack Danger stream and when games go out. So I, I expect that to be in there. Um, something that, you know, I, I was reading on Pinside, someone said this, is is what's the narrative of the game? You know, you heard me harp about narrative with, with, with Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, but I... You kind of don't get the sense of like I, Deadpool should start out telling you, "Hey, man, like here's what we got to do." Y you kind of are just there in his den, and he's he's at a pinball machine. Like I, it doesn't really tell you uh, what the storyline is. So I'm curious to see if that's going to come through more in the code. Again, early on, I don't know. I know they worked with the, one of the Deadpool comic writers who wrote the story for the pinball machine. Um, so. I don't think we got that from the stream, but I would like to see more of what's the overall objective of this game and how is the game going to tell us um, what the what the story and the point of playing the game is. Because I think that's something too that uh, is, is, is important, is that you know why you're playing the game from a narrative standpoint, not just how to score points, all right? All right, what else have I got here? The music, the music seemed fine to me. It was like a combination of like rock and pop um, and sort of like hip-hop inspired beats. Uh, very Deadpool-like, very comic-like. Uh, the the call-outs in the game were funny. Uh, will they get repetitive? I think a lot of people are probably wondering that. You know, when you go for sense of humor uh, and you hear a joke, it's always funny the first time, but every time you hear it, is it going to still remain funny? Um, probably not, probably not. But I do think that this game feels like the Deadpool comic coming to life. And, and, and if you like the Deadpool comic and it's a theme for you, I don't see how you're not going to really want to play this pin and, and possibly own this pin. I, I think it definitely accomplishes that. If you're one of the guys out there who loves the Deadpool movies and got used to more of the R-rated humor and Ryan Reynolds' voice and, and the gore from that film, yes, I, I think that this might not excite you. It does feel more like a family-friendly uh, Saturday morning cartoon version of Deadpool. And I, and I heard people say that a lot. And I, I definitely agree with that. Um, knowing that the majority of people buying this pinball machine will be men in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, um, I would have liked to have seen an R-rated mode worked in. But I'll tell you why I'm not surprised. There is no way that Disney and Marvel would have let Stern do that. 
and it's that simple, which is kind of weird because they let them make R-rated movies. So maybe they would have. Honestly, maybe they would have. Uh, but I would imagine that a toy, they look at pinball maybe as a toy, and they don't want a toy to to be R-rated. All right, what else did I have um, going on here? Um, let's see. I think we, you know, I think that sort of captures it. My, my, I, I'm going to give you my overall feelings on the game in a second. First, I want to give some free marketing advice to Zach Sharp over at Stern Pinball. Zach, I know you're listening. I know you're listening. What they should have done is this, and it's not too late, Zach. You should do this. For anyone that buys an Ellie version of Deadpool Pinball for $9,000, one of the added features they should include in everyone's purchase, they should include the Deadpool costume that Jack Danger had on. It would have been such a fun item to include, and they should have mailed that to all LE buyers first before they get their pinball machine so they can have it on when the game arrives. How cool would that marketing move have been? That costume probably costs like 25 bucks at most, maybe maybe 30. You're buying a $9,000 toy. And the reason why they should have done that is in the game itself on the LCD, it's Deadpool dressed in his Deadpool costume playing the LE version of the game. So how perfect of a marketing move would that have been to give people the costume? Now, Zach, this is just Chris, the marketing guy who... Um, who's giving you free advice. You know what my team executed this week, guys, just by the way? So you, you understand why I love marketing and I work with the best marketers on the planet. Um, from my team, my colleague, came this, this marketing thing that you probably have seen in the world. Um, we are putting Bud Light refrigerators in Cleveland bars that do not unlock Bud Light until the Cleveland Browns win their first game. And the locks are Wi-Fi controlled, so they won't unlock until the win occurs. That came from Canada's Culture Tap team and Bud Light team at Weber Shanwick. Uh, how awesome is that? I get, to, I get to do a job like that. That's why I love what I do. And that's why I'm saying when I give pinball marketers some advice, I just love it that they never take me up on my free marketing. The only company that ever hit me up for marketing help was Team Pinball on the Mafia game. Can you imagine how like how much of a went went moment that was for me that this is the only company that wants my help? Uh, there's nothing I could do for them. There is absolutely nothing I could do to save that title. All right, let me go on here. So um, here's my overall feelings on the game. I think the game looks amazing. I think Zombie Yeti crushed it. I think the art animators crushed it. I, I think the game is one of the most fun-looking pinball machines from a distance that you could, you could we've ever seen. I, I think it's Stern's best art package ever. Uh, I think the game is a visual knockout and will do absolutely amazing on location. I do. I think it's an operator's dream. It's colorful. Uh, you anyone? It's a, it, It's not intimidating to step up to the game. Um, the shots are fast and fun. I, I, I think it shoots amazing. I think Gomez got the geometry perfect. Uh, I think people who own this game are going to have fun flipping it. Um, the LCD animations are awesome as well. I think when you stand away from the machine, uh, you know, I think it's the, it's it's a comic book meets 90s fighting game meets pinball. Like all good things blended together in a way that works. So I think that is there. That being said, 
I wouldn't, I personally am not going to buy a Deadpool. And the only reason, not the only reason, but the, I, first and foremost, because I'm not the biggest Deadpool comic book fan. So the, the game is not really a theme that I'm hyper, hyper in love with. But here, there's one thing missing for me. There is one thing missing, maybe two things, but really one thing. And this one thing to me is sort of everything to me because it's, it's what separates pinball from arcades. It's what separates pinballs from other forms of entertainment. And it's also the main reason I do love pinball. And it's the main reason I know you love pinball. And it's the main reason uh, we still look at games from the Bally Williams era as being the greatest pinball machines of all time. And for me, the one thing that's missing from this game is the wow. All right, the W-O-W wow. Like what is going on on the play field that makes me say, wow, did you see that? And to me, that is the, the ultimate sort of not in this game thing. Um, it's not in Iron Maiden either. Like, and what, what I mean by that is this, something mechanical, or something physical that's inside the pinball machine that makes me say, wow, did you see what just happened? And I think to me, that is the one final piece of the puzzle that Stern Pinball needs to work on next. They have done everything else we've asked them to do, right? They have upgraded the display. They have made the artwork better than any pinball artwork in the world. They have given us the best themes on the planet. They have some of the greatest designers and the best code ever put into a pinball machine. They have everything going. They've got a marketing team that's doing a great job. They have everything that you could ever ask for in a pinball machine, but they don't have the wow. Like, wow, did you see that ball get chopped in half? Like, imagine this. Imagine, like, a multi-ball in which there is actually a physical, like, Deadpool figure that has, like, a physical katana, and it, like, comes down, like, over... The ball gets trapped on a magnet, and... How how cool would this been? All right, the ball gets trapped on a magnet and it's floating there, a la, like, in front of the genie in Tales of the Arabian Nights. And behind that ball is a Deadpool figure, kind of like the size of Magneto in X-Men Pinball. And the katana raises back physically, and it comes down, and it looks like it's slicing through the ball. And as that's happening, the ball drops underneath the magnet like in Toten, and like it's cutting the ball in half. And then all of a sudden, two balls pop out of the side like he split the ball into two. How, like, a wow moment like that. Because when I look at Deadpool, it's kind of like, um, it's like, imagine Lord of the Rings, imagine that game, and then remove Balrog and remove the ring from that game. And do you still have the magic that is the Lord of the Rings pinball? Those two things, those two physical things that are in the game, um, you know, there's nothing like that in Deadpool. And so, you know, I... I I, I'm, I'm wondering why, why, and it's pretty, I think the answer right now is pretty simple. I think the reason why there isn't those wow mechanisms put into these games is that it's a hell of a lot cheaper 
to make the wow happen on the screen, to put money into the animations and into the code because that stuff doesn't break. That stuff doesn't need to be replaced. That stuff can have physical problems happen. And that is why we're seeing more emphasis go to Zombie Yeti and artwork and more emphasis going to the LCD stuff. And it just seems like the physical things on the play field um, are where the costs are being cut or where the bomb is not happening. And, and that to me, again, it's the final piece of the puzzle. We know they can do it, right? But it's just weird to me that 10 years ago, like Lord of the Rings came out 15 years ago, 14 years ago, right? 14 years ago, Stern Pinball was putting mechanisms into the machines that are far better than any mechanisms going into machines today. You know, the crane toy on Batman, how many years old? Over 10 years old? So, you know, it's like in a lot of ways, I think they looked at pinball and said, you know, for this company to make maximum profit, you know, we don't want to be overly ambitious with the mechanisms. And that's the word I kept thinking about too, is where is the ambition on the play field, right? If you were to say, if you were to look at this game and say, you know, they really went innovative and overly ambitious or, or, or strove to make that thing happen. And it's just, it's just you're not going to find it. Um, as a total package, yes. Great game, fun game. And I just think Stern has one major thing left to do to, to in my mind, make pinball machines that will go down as classics for years to come. Because I want them to. And I know you want them to. And I know they can. And that's the thing, too, is I know they can do it. You know, it's, it's interesting because on one, on one side of the fence, we've got Jersey Jack that I think gets overly ambitious and puts so much into the game that they, like, make it crowded at times. And, like, like they have too many things trying to wow you where it kind of all cancels each other out. And then you have Stern where it's like, I don't think they have enough to wow you on uh, you know on the physical play field and it's and the answer is like somewhere in the middle it's like if stern and jersey jack could get together we'd have a company called bally williams and then we'd have the greatest pinball and a real new golden era of pinball because i still think we're not there i don't think these games are are the same i i, I don't i think we're still not there uh, I, I, and I think we could be. I think every manufacturer has something to learn from each other. Um, but to me, it's like I want to take elements of what each are doing and put them together. And then we'd get back to the magic that was Bally Williams. And, and that's, that's just sort of how I feel lately. And when I feel that way, it kind of makes it hard to buy these games. It, it, it sort of makes me want to just go find them on location and play them. Uh, because I just don't feel the desire to own one over the other. You know, I, you know, I don't need to pass on this one, go in on this one. I think every game is like just kind of almost there, but not quite there. For the amount of money these games are, and the fact that people designing these games know that predominantly they're ending up in people's homes, 
I do think every game needs to be almost like an instant classic, like a game you just don't want to get rid of that justifies owning it and, and has replay value and has the wow factor. Because when people come over, you want to be able to show them something that happens that is really cool in a pinball machine and it's not just lights and art, okay? So that's my assessment of, 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 of the final hurdle. And I hope, I hope it's fair. I hope it's fair to say that you know, I want to see something, you know, like the milk can shot in Houdini in a Deadpool pinball machine. And I think the idea I gave of slicing the ball in two with a katana, I, I think that would have been incredible. Uh, and I don't think it's because Stern doesn't have creative minds that come up with stuff like this. I, I do. I think they're overruled by the bean counters who want to make the bomb low. And I also think Stern understands that we don't need to do it to sell the games because they, 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 they're the only ones really making games. I mean, it's comical what everyone else is doing when it comes to sh revealing and shipping pinball machines. Um, so they're allowed to not do it and still get games sold because who else are you going to go buy? Who else? You want to wait a year? You want to wait two years? You want to never get your game? You want to give your money to Andrew Highway? You want to give your money to Barry and Yop? You know, you want to give your money to John Papaduke? You know, it's like or Kevin Kulik? You know, you want to give your money to Mike? No, you want, you want to get a pinball game. And they're making the only pinball games in town that ship frequently. So I hope you think that was a fair assessment. I would love to hear from you guys on what you think about that assessment of Deadpool. I would love to read your comments on the air. Please hit me up. Tell me what you thought of Deadpool uh, at canadapinball at gmail.com. If you'd like to be a guest of this show, I'm going to throw this out there again, and I've got some of you who want to come on. I would love to talk to new personalities in the pinball world. Please hit me up at canadapinball at gmail.com. I was supposed to have Zombie Yeti come on the show this week, uh, even though Zach Sharp heard that he was going to come on and said, no, 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 you can't do Canada's pinball podcast. He assaulted a member of our team. I am sorry, Tim. I am sorry to everyone for that incident. It's over with. Um, I, I hope people will forgive me because I truly am sorry that happened. Um, so I hope I can still interview people at Stern. I think the, the interviews would be good. Um, the reason Zombie Yeti will now not be coming on the show is that Zombie Yeti did another interview with This Week in Pinball. He also emailed out to Head to Head Pinball. And look, there's so many pinball podcasts, and I think that's a good thing. But when it comes to interviews, this isn't like Tom Cruise doing a movie junket for Mission Impossible where like he'll go on the Today Show, he'll go on Good Morning America. When people do two-hour interviews with people, they've said everything that needs to be said. I don't really want to have a guest that was just a guest on another show. Uh, it's just it, it's just not how you do it. It's also, I, I've got to be a little honest here, it's also not cool to say you're going to do someone's show and then they wake up the next day and you're on a competitor's show. Like, either have some sort of, you know, loyalty to the offer. And by that, I just mean do one person's show and then maybe the next time you do another person's show. But to go on like three or four shows... Uh, I, I don't know, like that's that to me is like, I, I consider this to be somewhat of pinball journalism. Uh, I would like to have a little bit of an exclusive, you know, time to chat with someone. Uh, just, just, 
again, because we're all, you know, trying to get listeners and get traffic and that just helps. But no biggie. There's no no hard feelings, Zombie Yeti. Um, I'm glad you did the interview. Maybe we'll talk um, in, the, in the future about just just pinball in general and what it's been like in your pinball tenure, um, the ups and downs of it. So I would love to have that conversation and not just talk about Deadpool artwork. All right, everybody, I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, we will probably see Deadpool in a few weeks in people's homes. That's a great thing. I hope this was a fair assessment of the game. Uh, and everybody, thank you for tuning in to Canada's Pinball Podcast. This has been episode 250-something. Let's see. I don't know. 256. Wow. We're still ahead of Nate. We'll keep going, guys. Have a great day. Yeah.